This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is one reality, of course. Neither mainstream science nor mainstream religions can do more to give us than give us hints about what our one reality actually is because both are belief systems. And they're mutually exclusive belief systems at that. We know they can't both be right. So how do we get at the truth? When we study nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications from the dead, we don't learn only that every human life is eternal. We also get a wonderfully detailed view of what actually is going on, and that view is consistent with both cutting-edge physics and the gospel teachings of Jesus. How amazing is that? Today, our wonderful guest is again Dr. R. Craig Hogan. He's almost my co-host at this point. Dr. Hogan has devoted his life to the single-minded pursuit of truth wherever it leads. Lately, it's occurring to me uh, that you, we ought to be doing a discussion, and I, at first I thought I'd do it myself, but I wasn't brave enough, of how it's possible that everybody else, all those scientists, everybody, is wrong about reality, and we're right. Are we crazy? Well, Craig has agreed to share with me uh, this conversation, and so he and I are going to actually go right into it. How is it possible they're wrong, and how is it possible that we're right? Are they just willfully ignorant, or are we willfully ignorant? I don't think I'd even uh, care about you know what religions say because they say we're a belief system, but frankly, we expect more from our scientists. And as a result of the fact that, frankly, physics has been in the weeds for 100 years, what the heck is going on? Welcome, Craig. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, hi, Roberta. I'm always overjoyed to be with you. <laughs> we have so much fun. You have, I have fun. I, I have two favorite, favorite, favorite um, guests. One of them is uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who's a force of nature, and he will be our guest next week. And my, my very favorite of all, of course, is Craig, because um, he has taught me so much, and everything he's taught me is true, so I trust what he says. So I asked him, please, to come hold my hand while we talked about this. This is where we start. We start with the fact that there is a solution to the problem that physicists have been posing um, of a theory of everything. That solution is that consciousness is at the base of everything. That is what unites everything. That's the only thing that's real. And frankly, Max Planck, who's one of my big heroes and was uh, got the Nobel Prize in 1918 for discovering and sort of uh, uh, codifying quantum physics, he said all this a hundred years ago. He said it a hundred years ago, and he's been ignored for a hundred years, and he's supposed to be the big scientific hero. So my eyes are crossing at this point. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, Max Planck had also said that uh, you may as well give up on trying to convince the present generation of scientists because 
they're not going to come around to it simply because of their own prejudices. And you're going to have to wait for them to die out. And it's going to be the younger generation that's going to come up and they're going to be more open-minded and they're going to be the ones who are going to accept it. <laughs> One of the and things so, I love about him is he's so optimistic. We've had two generations at least since then and no such luck. Yeah, and but, but we do see a grassroots change. And a lot of it is because of communication, the Internet. So yes, we're seeing we're seeing uh, quantum leaps in uh, in changes uh, among pardon people. The pun. <laughs> <laughs> right, pardon the pun. Uh, in their understanding of, uh, of the afterlife and of our eternal lives, and right now it's at a stage. It's at a, at a kind of peculiar stage uh, in which people are fascinated by the macabre. Uh, they're watching the shows that have to do with uh, with almost goose ghoulish. Uh, kinds of approaches, the ghost hunters, you know, and, the, and they're shouting at the, at the people on the other side and telling them to, to come through and, and rap on the table. And, and, but that's good. I mean, it's a stage. Uh, people are, are accepting that now. They realize that there is something there. And the next stage is for them to understand uh, spirituality and how it fits in with our eternal lives. And uh, that's very different from the ghost hunter approaches. And uh, they'll eventually come around to it. But this is a stage in development, and it's happening pretty rapidly because of the media, television, uh, movies, uh, the Internet. And we are seeing a change, you know. But it's a grassroots change. It won't happen among the hard-nosed skeptical scientists who who are actually materialists. They don't have a, a corner on science. Uh, but the materialists are not going to be able to come around for a while. We know that. So, so what, why has this been happening? Um, I, I, my, my belief is that the fundamental problem is that science has, for 2,000 years, seen itself as in a battle with religion. Um, they're, they're sometime in the early part of the 20th century, they actually adopted atheism as a fundamental dogma. Now, anything with a dogma is a religion. So basically, mm-hmm. they turned themselves into just one more religion. Um, mm-hmm. And they then decided anything that might possibly lead them to find a godish sort of thing was taboo. Um, yeah. And, 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 and that's the pro- I think that's the core problem, really. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and if, you're, if everybody accepts the same dogma and says we have to find another way to move science forward, we just have to step around this little spot. And the little spot turns out to be most of what's true, they're going to have a problem. And indeed, they do have a problem. They have a problem. And the reason is that science now is coming around to validating what we know to be true. When yes. Descartes uh, formed a dualistic interpretation of reality uh, because he wanted to separate himself from the church and not have the church bother him, uh, he said to the church, okay, you guys uh, take care of the spiritual and any of the internal stuff. And just let yeah. us out there take care of the external stuff. And what he did was to form a dualism, and right. that meant that uh, those who were materialists then could latch on to science, and and they could claim it as their own. They, it is not their own. And then they could interpret the reality based upon a dogmatic religious uh, point of view, the religion of materialism, and they can separate that from spiritual, uh, the inner part, the the understanding of whom we are in eternity, and uh, the result has been that this separation between spirit and and science, and it shouldn't have been that way. What should have been happening was, had the church not taken control of spiritualism uh, spirits uh, back in two thousand years ago, uh, had the church not taken control of it, then we would have seen spiritual developments 
in textbooks alongside science developments. So the textbooks would not separate them. We would see them in, in uh, high school textbooks and college right. textbooks, and, and uh, they would have been happening together. But because they were separated, then uh, we gradually have, have gotten into these two camps who are at war with each other unnecessarily. And, right, uh, counterproductively. The Mm-hmm. It, yeah, there, there was no reason for that to happen. Shouldn't have happened like that. And, uh, and it should be ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the twenty-first century, is kind of preposterous. It's yeah, it, preposterous. it's primitive. It's primitive because uh, people are, are both the, the materialists and the religious fundamentalists are supporting views that are hundreds or thousands of years old. Right. And uh, and and not just looking forward instead of looking backward. Anything that has to do with the physical realm is not spiritual. Yeah. Nothing in the physical realm is spiritual, and and that's the the, the first place that, that people have to go to to look to see where spirit is and uh, and where yes. materialism is. Right. And uh, and once they begin to see that, then they can say, well, then what we need to do is we need to look at to see what spiritualism is, what who we are as eternal beings. Yes. Uh, and uh, and and then look at that and see how that combines with what we know about the material realm. Uh, and uh, they're not willing to do that yet. But it's scary for the scientists, you know, because they don't know anything about any of this. Uh, in spite of the fact that the the research is out there to show that it's all true, it's scary because they would have to start back as freshmen in college. They would have to start to reinterpret everything that they know to be true. And uh, so what they do is uh, they band together and they say, well, uh, as long as we don't talk about it, you right, know, we'll uh, <laughs> and the way that they, they word it is, well, it's not in the referee journals. Uh, and so that means we don't talk about it. As long as we don't talk about it, it's going to go away. And uh, then they, they can get rid of the scare. But uh, in fact, these studies are now in the referee journals and we do have the research and they're just not willing to look at it. One of my secret vices is uh, SciShow.com, S-C-I-S-H-A-W.com. Hank Green, a young uh, guy who's very entertaining, I don't care what he talks about, he's just funny and entertaining, does uh, little three-minute um, uh, videos, which uh, keep they keep putting up, and I keep watching uh, sort of as a way to wind down in the evening, about science. And um, I just watched a couple nights ago one that he did a little longer, I think it was almost 10 minutes, on scientific taboos. I really recommend people look up scishow.com and, and look up scientific taboos. What he said was, science is full of taboos. Uh, there are lots of them, and he said the reason is they're fe- pe- pe- people are fearful of losing their jobs, their tenure, and their credibility. All true. He said the only person who's looking at this is Dean Radin of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which then my dear friend Hank Green said, of course, that's off the wall. We'll ignore that. Look at what he says about taboos. And he quotes them about taboos, but he says, of course, Dean's ideas about consciousness and healing are crazy. And he said that without any irony at all. Isn't that strange and funny? It is funny. That he is he funny. went on to talk about why, um, or, 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 or he, well, let's go back up a step. He went on to talk about the, the, the reason uh, that they call it the Simmelweis reflex. The Simmelweis reflex is actually a term the scientists use uh, to refer to their sort of reflex unwillingness to look at to what they think of as taboo subjects. And this comes from Dr. Ignaz Simmelweis, who was a Hungarian in the 1840s. He proposed a shocking new idea that went against 
all taboos. He proposed that doctors wash their hands to prevent childbed fever. Wash your hands before delivering a baby. Now, in the 18th and the early 19th centuries, many women died in childbirth. Typically, men would have three or four wives because their wives kept dying on them when they were having babies because of childbed fever. And Dr. Simmelweis, rather than being hailed as a hero, he was hounded out of medicine uh, and w- because he proposed in the 1840s, you know, we should wash our hands. Hounded out of medicine, he died in 1865 in an insane asylum. Of course, then soon after that, Louis Pister and the germ theory of disease came along. Now, Dr. Simmelweis is considered a pioneer in antiseptic procedures. And you know, I, 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 watching this two nights before you and I are going to be talking about this, mm-hmm. my jaw was on the floor. Of course. Yeah. But even someone who considers himself to be a scientist talks about this stuff with no irony at all. Yeah. And he talks about the fact that this basic thing was considered taboo to talk about. He even talked about why it was taboo. People didn't want to think they'd been killing their patients. We're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still and they had... didn't understand it. They didn't <laughs> yes. understand it. And if they can't understand it, then that's scary. Because uh, yes. they can't then pontificate about it. They can't talk about it. And uh, if they can't seem to be bright and, and on uh, the experts in the field, then that's scary. And so they're going to push that away, uh, and, and so they band together, and they, they, they circle the wagons, and, and uh, they refuse to look at, at the studies. The studies of remote viewing, you know, remote viewing has a, a great yes. number of studies to show that uh, it's possible for people to sit in one place, close their eyes, and intentionally look at another place in the world thousands of miles away and see what's there. And we can all do it. I mean, I can do it. You know, it, it, it's a, a talent that many, many people have. Yeah. And yeah. The, there is a, from just a plethora of research showing that this is valid. Uh, Stanford uh, did the research and uh, the uh, Science uh, Applications International did research. And just a, a tremendous number of uh, uh, bodies have now done the research to show that this is real. But they won't accept that. They won't look at that because... That means that uh, it's going to be looking at life and, 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 and the mind and the brain in a different way, and that's scary for them. And then there's near-death experiences, which are mm-hmm. absolutely studied, validated every, every which way to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, uh, astral travel. Uh, there's a number of things which have been validated. We have documented evidence that they're true. What happens is if one of these phenomena sort of becomes public knowledge, uh, people start thinking about it, they try to debunk it, which used to, as you point out, the Internet's changed everything. Before the Internet, it was pretty easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Even today, if you look at Wikipedia, you'll find out that most of what's true is not true and has been debunked, even though they then don't show how it was debunked. Um, I, I find that kind of funny. It's, it's easier in the age of the Internet, rather than point out how it was debunked so you can point out how the debunkers are fools, uh, they just say it's been debunked. And then you don't have to think about it. Um, this is the only defense they have. The last defense is shut up. And that's where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tragic because what scientists are... I mean, I love and respect scientists. I read all these science magazines all the time. I love my friend Hank Green. I love these people. And they have done such good service to the world. But they've reached a dead end now because of their fundamental dogma and their unwillingness to... Uh, at least dare to approach the taboos. They've yeah. painted themselves into their own corner, and it's tragic mm-hmm. for all of us, not just for them. Yeah. 
And the, but it is coming around uh, to the fact that there are more and more scientists, serious researchers. You mentioned uh, Dean Radin and uh, others like him at the Institute for Noetic Sciences uh, and institutions like that that are doing serious research and they're finding these things to be true. The research they do is, is very tight. It's very good research. And as a result of the research, uh, there are conclusions that we're drawing that uh, cannot be refuted. Uh, right. And that's what they're going to eventually have to look at. You know? uh, right now, the, the old bulls in, the, in neuroscience are keeping the grad students away from it, but eventually the grad <laughs> students are going to get into it you know, because they're bright enough that they're going to see that there's something there. Right. And, uh, right. and, and, once they're, and, and the other thing is we need a vocabulary uh, because once you get a vocabulary, then that legitimatizes whatever it is. And uh, once it comes into a scientific vocabulary, like saying there are non-local effects, but we can say non-local effects, what, what uh, Einstein called spooky action at a distance. And so we can use that now because science has adopted it. Now we know that that's a scientific word. We can talk about non-local effects, and that means that something in one place can affect something far away without having any correspondence with it, without touching it. And we can say that that's true now because we have a scientific word for it. Uh, and uh, once we get the vocabulary, then things can start to turn around, but uh, they won't accept the vocabulary yet. One of the problems, I think, that, that happens in um, trying to talk about things, trying to develop a, a vocabulary, is that we need to um, even talk about how to refer to consciousness. Um, I have a... a I have some thoughts on that. Um, we're going to need to break briefly, and then when we come back, we'll we'll be we've only scratched the surface of what, what is a big topic. But I'm so glad to hear, Craig. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Our guest is the wonderful, extraordinary R. Craig Hogan, and we'll be right back. If you want to know more about what really happens when we die, or if you're just curious about some of the things discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the friendly seekers at AfterlifeForums.com. Roberta Grimes administers a growing community in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. It really is possible to know the truth. Give yourself the gift of understanding. Share your thoughts with people who are eager to listen. Finally, get your big questions answered. Afterlifeforums.com The truth about your own eternal nature turns out to be even more wonderful than your most optimistic hopes. When Roberta Grimes studied the afterlife evidence, she learned a lot more than what happens when we die. She also discovered that we actually are perfectly loving, eternal beings. To help us explore who we really are, she's begun a multi-generational fictional saga that she calls Letters from Love. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money begin the series, and Letter from Wonder is due in the fall. They read like fantasy romance, but they are the glorious truth. Also, enjoy Roberta's My Thomas, the beautiful tale of Thomas Jefferson's marriage. Her new novel, Rich and Famous, is a romance set in the go-go 80s. 
Check out robertagrimes.com to learn more. Knowing the truth about our eternal lives changes everything. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Dr. R. Craig Hogan and uh, anyone who's wondered why I called the show Seek Reality, and we've been doing this now for about a year, um, I called it Seek Reality because I think that's what we all should be doing. Um, reality is something that is at the core of our whole existence. It's at the core of all the decisions we make, all the things we do with our lives, um, our understanding of who and what we are and where and where, you know, where we are, where we're going. Reality is basic, and neither science nor religion yet, now, today, really is telling us what's true about our reality. And we only know that because we have independent sources that nicely verify what's true that they ignore. Um, We've been talking about how, uh, in the first segment, about how uh, scientists um, ignore things. And we were were just uh, about to talk about terminology and i'd just like to finish that discussion and then um craig has some uh, interesting things to tell us about how long it's taken other generations of scientists to figure things out Uh, consciousness is sort of the presumed term we use for what this core reality is um and and i i the best definition i've seen of it is that it's a potentiality without size without form it's alive the way your mind is alive it's emotional highly emotional and the only emotion it expresses in its pure state is what we think of as love it's 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 intense affinity for itself um and for all its aspects now we are all part of that our minds are part of eternal mind they're part of consciousness we're not separate from one another and we're not separate from consciousness those are the things which i know to be true i might do you disagree Craig? No, that's true. Uh, that uh, We only uh, know our experiences. Uh, so our experiences are the only reality, and, and those experiences are our consciousness. So the consciousness is, is all that we know of the universe. Uh, even the neuroscientists say that, though, the, the materialist neuroscientists. Yeah. They say that, uh, that what, we, what people experience, and they think that everything's happening in the brain, but they say that uh, what people experience is called a representational reality. And the reason is that uh, when the photons come into the eye and they, and they strike the, uh, the uh, retina in the back of the eye, go through the, uh, optical cort- uh, through the optic nerves, the optical cortex, that by the time it gets all the way into that level uh, in the back of the, of the brain, uh, there's nothing having to do with what's out there um, that the people is, uh, a person is seeing. It's right. entirely different. It's just le- electrical impulses. They're neurotransmitters. Right. And so that what, what the person, uh, the, as they describe it, what the person gets then is a representation of reality, but it is not reality. It can never, ever touch reality because of the fact that it has to go through this circuitry. And so even they realize the fact that uh, what we get or what we, what we have uh, as an experience is entirely separate from the physical realm. Uh, and but they what they don't understand or what they don't come around to say, uh, realizing is that uh, not only is that true, but people can have experiences that have nothing to do with their surroundings, uh, and that's right. where the out of body experience comes in. That's where remote viewing comes in, uh, psychic abilities, uh, mediumistic abilities. All of these things happen 
without the senses being involved at all. And so that means that not only do we have just a representational reality, what we have is a reality which is entirely separate from the idea of the physical realm. We, it is entirely in the mind, and the mind is the eternal part of whom we are. Yes. And so the, the mind is what carries on, and what carries on within the mind, then from uh, eternity to eternity in, in, in our development, what carries on is whom we are as an individual, especially in our love and compassion and our understanding of our relationship to the universe, to, to uh, the divine, the source, uh, and to other people, this universal consciousness that we have. That's what carries on. That's our eternal self. So, so then people ask me, well, well, is consciousness then what I'm, my experience is? Is that my whole consciousness? Well, it's not. Um, the evidence, and this is something I know very little about, only the bits I've been able to kind of glean. Um, but you have, uh, they, they call it the subconscious, but you have a, a, a consciousness that's far greater. Most, they say most, in fact, of your consciousness isn't in any way part of this body. Um, not, actually, nothing is part of this body. If you saw the movie Avatar, you get a pretty good sense of how it kind of seems to work. Uh, your mind is safe with all mind, um, and you're having uh, little experiences uh, uh, by connecting to this meat robot um, in the, in this illusory reality, and you think you're in it because your eyes are in the front of the head and your ears are on the sides of the head, and so you think it's in your head, but it's not. It attaches to your whole body, and it is a um, it's a meat robot. It's not you at all. But what is you? I mean, only a part of you is aware while you're having this meat robot experience. Um, I don't understand how it works. I'm not sure anybody really does. But what I'm pretty confident about after doing decades of research is that the you that you think of as you is eternal. It has nothing to do with reality that, that you think you see around you, nothing to do with the material universe, but it's part of eternal mind, and you are forever you. Um, people worry about that. There's no need to worry. I've seen no evidence that you're going to ever, ever be extinguished, nor, that, nor did you ever start. You're, you've always been. Yeah, that's so difficult that people, for, for people to understand. That people say, well, all right, there's 7 billion mm-hmm. of us, and there must be so many more of them there. Mm-hmm. How is it possible yeah. that there could yeah. be so many? Well, we live um, in, the, in the realm of beginnings and endings. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's true. necessary in the physical realm that there are beginnings and endings. And so all of our experience has beginnings and endings. Uh, but it's possible for, for people to understand or wrap their, their, lives, their, eyes, <laughs> their minds around the idea that uh, matter and energy uh, don't have beginnings and endings. And yes. uh, so they can wrap their mind around that, but there's no reason then not to understand or believe that consciousness has no beginning and, or ending, that it's, right. uh, it, it is eternal, and that uh, we are constantly developing, constantly becoming. Uh, and this small piece, this small slice of our eternal lives is not all there is, and we will be very different. Uh, we have been very different in the past. And we will continue to evolve and change, and and, uh, and it's all a delightful experience in the end. Uh, it, it is, we, if you understand mm-hmm. the truth. Otherwise, it's frightening and depressing. Mm-hmm. Because and it seems the, like people the, the, you love are going to die. It seems like you're, you know, if you get damaged, then you're damaged forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in my 60s. When you see yourself in your 60s, you think, well, that's it. I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. But it's only beginning. I mean, I'm more excited about life than I ever, ever have been, because I know it never ends. Mm-hmm. And that makes the difference. 
And that's what but, but, Gautama, the, the Buddha, said. Yes. Uh, that, that the, the, the first principle is that, that uh, the world is suffering, but it didn't, that doesn't mean that this world is a suffering world. It only means that we impose suffering on ourselves. And we yes. do that because of the second, which is the illusion, the, the belief that there, there is an end, that uh, this is the only life that there is and life ends uh, at that transition we call death. And if you believe that, then that's a pretty ghastly thing. And uh, most people you, do. We impose that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they turn in fear, they turn to religion, which frankly gives them much less comfort than it could if it, if it would open its mind as well. Mm-hmm. But let me just say what Max Planck said. Max Planck won the 1918 Nobel Prize for as the discoverer of quantum physics. He's a god to physicists. They named the base level of reality, the Planck level, for my friend Max. He said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. Now, why would, that, why would they not get a clue when their guy said this? He said other things, too, which are frankly right on, spot on, and profound. Um, why don't they get a clue when they hear that? Mm-hmm. Or do they ignore it? They just ignore it. They have to ignore it, yeah, because it's frightening to them. At a very basic level, I mean, they're not standing there shaking in their boots, but at a very basic level, and it, it, um, in, in Maslow's needs hierarchy, uh, the second basic level need is the need for security, and that means that the, that the world has continuity, that you can uh, expect what's going to happen, it will happen, and this threatens their feeling of security because of the fact that this upsets the world, pulls the rug out yeah. from under them. And they don't want to face that. So to not face that kind of angst that they would have, they just ignore it. They pretend like it doesn't exist, and they all get together and say, well, none of us are going to talk about it, and if you do talk about it, you're going to be drummed out of the university, yes. and uh, you know, you're yeah. not going to get your grants. And, and if well, a, life a grad is a playground, student, and, and you'll be demonized, or you'll be, you'll be the goat yeah, in the playground if you say a word. That's it. Exactly. And the grad students are told that, you know, that, uh, that you're not to touch that. And so then uh, nobody is advancing in it yet, uh, but it will happen. I mean, one of these days, you know, the uh, Newtonian revolution, when, when Newton discovered what, what he had discovered, and uh, then the quantum revolution in the 20th century was the second revolution in physics and in understanding of life. The third is going to be consciousness, and that's going to be coming up. And when that happens, it is going to revolutionize science and, and religion. And mm-hmm. add our lives. It, it, mm-hmm. This will be the most profound change in human thinking, advancement in human thinking that's mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever happened. There is nothing yeah. comparable to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it culminates a number of things, um, one of which is um, religions, I think, because, in fact, um, yeah, we did find God. We found God 100 years ago pretty mm-hmm. conclusively. It's not like the Christian God or um, really much like what I think many religions have thought God was, but much more powerful and much more benevolent. And it turns out, if you study the Gospels, and I talk about this in The Fun of Dying and also in The Fun of Staying in Touch coming out in August, um, Jesus told us all these truths 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. He, yep. his, his telling us the truths predates everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, when it turns out that, uh, you know, a lot of things Christianity has been saying were really 2,000-year-old uh, uh, myths, 
Um, the core of Christianity is the truth, which is the words of Jesus. Quite mm-hmm. amazing. I still am trembling to think of it. But it's yeah, he true. was an amazing man. And what happened was, of course, then in, in the 4th century, the, the Church could have gone two ways. It could have gone to the Gnostics, and those are the people who really did understand these things and, and understood what Yeshua, Jesus, was saying. Uh, or it could have gone towards the organized Church uh, and, and uh, what Constantine wanted to, to try to unify a crumbling uh, empire. And so they went towards Constantine, and the bishops liked that idea. They were going to be head honchos, and they can get rid of this Gnostic stuff. So they burned all the Gnostic texts, and uh, it became the organized religion that became the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And so in Christianity, that's what formed the church that we have today, which is very, very different from what Yeshua taught. I mean, yes. it, it has very little to do with, with the, the, whom they believe to be or call the founder of their religion. It has nothing to do with Jesus, Yeshua. Uh, it has to do with the church. You know, the church has evolved, and now it... It is its own entity. It is its own representative of God on earth. And uh, these tremendous cathedrals that have been, and the liturgies that have been developed, and all of this has been added on to uh, what should have been a wonderful, wonderful message for humanity. Had, we, had the Gnostics won the, the yes. day at that time, we would be a very different culture today. Yeah, that's I, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. It, it's frustrating to me because because uh, I've tried to understand why when I tell people, you know, Jesus was right. He was right. Look, yeah. you could see this, see this, see this, see this. A lot of Christians just don't want to go there. They give me a mm-hmm. hex sign. And, yeah. and I've come to understand why, um, at least I think why, um, which is that Christianity as it's taught in the 21st century is so easy. Um, what Jesus told us, Jesus came as our teacher. He said he was our teacher. And he said, this is what you must do. You must be perfect as God is perfect. You must learn to love. You must learn to forgive. You must do these things that are hard things. Someone hits you on the right cheek, hit him, you know, let him hit your left too. He takes your, your, your tunic, let him have your cloak. Love your enemies. Do good to those who, who hurt you. Well, this is hard stuff. Who wants to do that? I mean, if I'm a Christian, it's much more fun to think Jesus went to the cross to save me from an evil God, which is the only possible way to define God if God is that spiteful. But um, he, So now all I have to do is accept him on my deathbed. I could have done anything in my life. I, don't, I could have hated. I could have done. I don't have to learn a blessed thing because Jesus saved me from whatever would have been the consequences of my behavior on this earth. That's so easy. Why would anybody want the truth when that's easy? It's kind of like the same as is, is happening with science. People who should be listening to Jesus, they, they, they tell me over and over they've devoted, devoted their lives to Jesus, and Jesus is, is their best friend. Jesus is their Savior. Jesus is all of those things, but they will not listen to his words. Doesn't that bother you, too? Yeah, it's just that uh, they ignore um, the, the Gospels, you know, what was written in the Gospels. And uh, and then then they pull out what what uh, one preacher had called Bible bullets, and, and they pull out uh, text from the Old Testament and the New Testament to support what they believe to be true, right. and they use that against people. But it is it's entirely cultural. Uh, the modern Christianity is a Christianity. It's a religion for all seasons. It just adjusts itself to whatever culture it's in, and uh, and people can be Christian in uh, and materialists, which is what we have today materialist Christians, right. and uh, so it just adjusts itself to, and, and it's lost the spirituality. The spirituality is not there. 
was it what's very unfortunate is that because they've made Christianity so easy, the the truly the, the sort of true Christianity which Jesus came to bring us, which was basically an elevation in the level of our understanding about who and what we are and and uh, guidance about how to make the most of our lives. That's what he came to do, pretty clearly. Uh, and that's what he says in the Gospels he came to do. I have to trust the guy. Um, yeah. But he that's, says it repeatedly. That's, yeah. That's and he says, and what he says is that you don't need to have a church to go to God. He says that you go to God directly. You have yes. a, you knock, and the door's going to open. You know, yes. you ask, and you're going to get the answers. You know, if you yeah. seek, you will find it. And he says that uh, that you don't need to have the church in between you and God. Uh, but they've ignored that, of course, because they like the position that they're in. And uh, yes. and the position that they're in is, is a very wealthy church. I'm talking about the, the Roman Catholic Church now. It's the, true the of the church Protestants, is a very wealthy too. church and powerful. Yes. And, uh, yes. and it, uh, in, it is corrupt, and we know that it's corrupt, and the result of all of that is you can have uh, the priests who can uh, abuse children uh, because of the fact that it, the spirituality is not there. There's no basis in spirituality. That's entirely an organization that's separate from God and from anything that, you, that Jesus, Yeshua, taught. And uh, that's why we can get into the position that we're in now. We're, we're, we're going to be talking more about this when we come back. This is, this is turning out to be great. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. You are an eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really know that, it changes everything. Our guest today is the wonderful Dr. R. Craig Hogan, and we'll be right back. Grimes studied the afterlife evidence, she learned a lot more than what happens when we die. She also discovered that we actually are perfectly loving, eternal beings. To help us explore who we really are, she's begun a multi-generational fictional saga that she calls Letters from Love. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money begin the series, and Letter from Wonder is due in the fall. They read like fantasy romance, but they are the glorious truth. Also, enjoy Roberta's My Thomas, the beautiful tale of Thomas Jefferson's marriage. Her new novel, Rich and Famous, is a romance set in the go-go 80s. Check out robertagrimes.com to learn more. Knowing the truth about our eternal lives changes everything. If you want to know more about what really happens when we die, or if you're just curious about some of the things discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the friendly seekers at AfterlifeForums.com. Roberta Grimes administers a growing community in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. It really is possible to know the truth. Give yourself the gift of understanding. Share your thoughts with people who are eager to listen. Finally, get your big questions answered. Afterlifeforums.com The truth about your own eternal nature turns out to be even more wonderful than your most optimistic hopes. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Dr. R. Craig Hogan, and um, this is sort of a wildly free-ranging conversation. Um, We're talking about why it is that there's there are a few people who really do know what's going on or, or are approaching knowing pretty much what's going on when neither science nor mainstream religion will look at um, the evidence that opens it all up, that makes it possible to know what's going on. Um, and Craig, you were making the point that uh, with both science, with science, it, it's kind of fear of the uh, of the unknown and going in a direction. Of course, with with religions. Um, and Jesus said this too. I want to just make one more point about Jesus, then I want to talk about science again. If you read the Gospels, you and you're a clergyman, I can't see how you can read them without wincing, because he repeatedly speaks against organized religion. Um, he talks about you know uh, the the show in the in the marketplace that these that clergymen make. Um, he talks about uh, uh, how they uh, they they steal widows' uh, houses and make lengthy prayers and all these things. He says it over and over again. I don't think that a naive reader who read just the Gospels could ever imagine he came to start a religion. I think he came instead to say, you know, you don't really need these corrupt, you know, basically venal guys, you can approach God directly, go into a a, a closet and speak to God in spirit and in secret, and God, which is spirit, will hear you. That's what he came to say. So it is especially ironic, as you say, that that what he started ended up as a really corrupt um, church. Uh, And it isn't just the Catholics. Um, I I think basically all of the... uh, to one extent or another, um, all the levels of Christianity seem to have been corrupted by the ease of teachings that are inconsistent with the teachings of Jesus, and by the cultures, as you say, in which they are, in which they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and as you say, I, I know that many, many of the of the pastors, and certainly the the teachers, you know, I taught at Wheaton College, and I know that the, many of the professors have a knowledge they do understand. The, these issues, but they can't say something about them or can't because they're embedded in it. I mean, they're part yeah. of it. And yeah. then, what are, where are they going to go from here? If, you know, if they break away. And, and but I know they know that because they can't look at uh, at the gospels and not understand that these truths are are true. Uh, but to, they to, to, to more than one of them, I have said, have you ever seen what he says about clergymen? Does it ever make you uncomfortable? Yeah. They say, well, he was he was talking about the uh, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't. No, <laughs> he, he was wasn't. talking about clergymen. <laughs> yeah, he was, and and uh, he, he never said anything about uh, having an organized religion or about well, and uh, neither did Paul. Paul did not anticipate that two thousand years yeah. later this was all going to be happening. Uh, he thought that uh, the return, the second coming, was going to be during his lifetime, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the J- Jerusalem uh, group thought that they moved to sold all of their belongings, moved to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was going to be the place where the second coming would occur, and yeah. uh, and they were just waiting. It was going to be this coming week or at the latest next week. Yeah, and uh, so they all felt that like it was going to come right away. But nobody ever thought about this idea of huge, monstrous religion. Uh, that's uh, mm-hmm. in which you'd have preachers who would be wealthy and have mansions and and their own jets and this, this is just insanity. It is. It is. It's certainly nothing to do with Jesus. That's for sure. It has nothing to do with Jesus. No, so, or with so spirituality. It, which is actually Jesus would say probably more important. He he tried to to de-emphasize 
himself. Um, I, 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 at one point he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't listen to what I say mm-hmm. and do what I say? Um, he, he said, these things that I do, you'll do and more. He was trying mm-hmm. to make us spiritual. That was his purpose. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me now, you, you've said that there are some other examples of science ignoring truth for a very long time and then, and then accepting it. Oh, comfort, yeah, us, been, comfort us with some of those stories. Yeah, gosh, it, it really is it's part of the pattern. I mean, anything that, that's new is going to be ignored for a while. Penicillin uh, took 10 years for, for the scientists to, to, be, to understand what penicillin was or accept it. Uh, the suggestion that you mentioned that germs cause disease, you know, that, that uh, the uh, surgeons should wash their hands. And when Pasteur suggested that, it was called a ridiculous fiction. And it, it took decades for that to be to be understood. Yeah. It was Ignatius and Semmelweis you had mentioned. Yes. Uh, and uh, he ended up in a mental hospital. The same yep. thing happened to um, uh, Wegener, who developed the idea of, uh, of continental drift. Uh, he was so ridiculed that he died as an outcast from the scientific community in 1930. Twenty years later, he was proven to be correct. And, uh, and uh, Bell's <sighs> telephone, when, uh, Alexander Graham Bell, was turned down by the United States Postal Service and the British Postal Service is ridiculous. Uh, and all of these things, x-rays, Redkin's uh, x-rays were described as an elaborate hoax and Edison's light bulb was called a completely idiotic idea. Uh, so any of these great discoveries that have happened have all been, uh, have they've been ridiculed at the beginning uh, and then finally have been accepted as being truth. But it takes a long period of time. Yeah, it it's um, that is something of a comfort. But it does sure show you why nobody wants to stick his neck out. <laughs> mm-hmm. If he's got That's a family true. to feed and a career, he's trying to uh, to somehow follow. If you're trained to be a physicist, uh, and especially in some specialized area, you're not going to try to say anything daring. You can't afford to. No, you just can't uh, afford to. Yeah. Who wants and, to uh, go to a mental hospital? For heaven's sake. Yeah. And uh, the president of, of Digital Equipment Corporation, his name was Ken Olson, uh, in the 70s, he said that there was no reason for anyone would want a computer in their home. And, uh, <laughs> I remember those stories. Yeah, yeah, IBM turned down the idea of the photocopier. They thought there would be no more than a few thousand businesses that would want a photocopier. So, uh, yeah, all of these things have, have been approached and uh, they have been turned down and ridiculed and finally they have been adopted. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the conference. Um, Craig has been just instrumental in putting together the conference, um, which is called New Developments in Afterlife Communication, to be held in Scottsdale um, the 10th to the 12th of July. I've been to the hotel where this is being held. You won't have any idea it's July when you're in the hotel. It's absolutely beautiful. It's perfectly set up for a conference. And this is going to be groundbreaking. This is going to be one for the history books. Um, go to ASCSI.org for more information. And, Craig, tell us who's going to be there. Oh, yeah, just a wonderful round. Of what we tried to do is to bring together the, the people who are the pioneers, the experts in afterlife communication. And in, we have the 16 methods of afterlife communication represented. So we have people talking about every one of them. Uh, and we have Gary Schwartz who's going to be there, who's uh, very well known for his work in research at, uh, uh, in Nevada. And uh, he is going to be describing the soul phone, which he's developed it 
is going to be a pioneering effort for developing a, a way in which those on the other side can speak to us through electronics. Uh, but then Sonia Rinaldi from Brazil is going to be there, and she actually has linked people. She links people regularly now with their loved ones on the other side of, over the phone. And uh, what she does is uh, she primarily works with parents who want to link with their children. And uh, so she has them, uh, the parent will get on the phone and ask questions. Uh, the parent doesn't get the response right away, doesn't get the, the answer right away, because what happens is the answer comes on the recording, but they can't hear it. And so then the, after the parent gets off of the phone, then they listen to the recording. They can hear the parent asking the question, and on the recording then is the answer from the child on the other side. And she's done as many as uh, she did 163 in one month. Parents the problem is children. they're mostly in Portuguese. They're in Portuguese. I have, I, I've heard I've heard those some in English that you sent me, and they were boggling, including your yeah. own mother. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have was actually, your mother's voice? Yeah, I, I actually am having uh, giving Sonia some people from uh, my area here, a, a couple of parents, and she has done some recording for them, and she says she has some, something exciting, but she hasn't told me what it is yet. So we're working on getting some English recordings prior to the conference so that we can uh, play those back. Uh, and uh, they, the ones that we, that we do have, we have one recording of, of my mother uh, making a statement, a response to uh, a question. Sonia had wanted to try to link with her. And uh, the recording of a, a child responding yeah. in English to uh, her mother and uh, and and you've heard this, Roberta. This is the one where yes. she says, "Mommy, I you know I can talk, I can talk, and oh, and I just know. very very uh, clear, you know, very audible." But Sonia is at the beginning of a pioneering effort to to have what is the the Holy Grail, and the Holy yes. Grail is an electronic way of having a dialogue with the people on the other side, and yes. we're very close to that. We're very close to doing that. She's actually doing it, but but in her case, she. It has to go on the recording, and then you have to play it back. But what we want is where it, it goes on the recording, and the recording then plays back immediately. And then you have a dialogue, because the person you can hear the person on the other side, and then you can respond to them. We're very close to that. So that may be happening. There, were, there, was a, uh, there, there have been efforts that have been successful uh, in doing that. Uh, uh, George Meeks uh, yes. had what was called SpiritCom, and he yes. was able to connect. And he did carry on dialogue. Uh, but what's, and, what's happening mm-hmm. now, though, I think, is it's really going to work. Um, yes, I it's going to work. for the earliest researchers in mm-hmm. uh, EVP, electronic voice phenomena, because they were not able to, and instrumental transcommunication is the other term, mm-hmm. ITC, um, because they did... If if anyone had paid attention to what they were doing, you would or you would, everybody listening would have known for 25 years, you would have known this stuff. It would have been common knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I think now the... The field has been sufficiently plowed that this time uh, it really is going to be a breakthrough. And I think this is what's going to make scientists have to stop stonewalling mm-hmm. because yeah. um, it, when, when people can go to some place and just talk to their recently dead child, they're going to look science in the eye and say, if you don't start studying this, nothing you're doing is of any value to me. Mm-hmm. And That's when true. enough people are saying that, the world will change right then, yeah. and it'll mm-hmm. be soon, hopefully. Yeah, but it's coming. It'll be it's coming. Because, century. Yeah, because of people like Sonia Rinaldi and Tom Elisa yes. Butler and, and uh, the, the other researchers, George Macy, 
they they are doing marvelous work in this area, and so it is going to be coming. And so at the conference, we're also going to have Victor Zamet. We're very happy I to have Victor come up from Australia. He's coming from Australia. Yeah, he's flying Victor, up from Australia. C-A-M-M-I-T is someone, if you are interested at all in this area, you've got to know Victor Zamet. He is mm-hmm. a legend. He does extraordinary work. He's an attorney in Australia who figured out um, uh, and wrote um, a book about the afterlife, which is really definitive. And just mm-hmm. to meet him is going to be a thrill for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. And his wife, Wendy, who uh, she really is the partner. She does a lot of the work. But, uh, but they have the uh, weekly afterlife uh, report, and uh, everybody should subscribe yes. to that because yes. it's uh, just full of wonderful information about the advancements that are being made and, and what's happening today in afterlife mm-hmm. research and uh, afterlife communication. So uh, he's going to be there. He's going to be talking especially about materializ- materializations, having to do with physical mediums, and that's a whole different area. Which is really exotic, but it does Mm -hmm. happen. Um, It does happen. So many things that that happen that are possible, people have no clue about. But when Mm -hmm. enough people know about them, enough money is devoted to starting to really study them, then it'll be very easy to make very rapid progress in this field. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that's where we're going right now. That's where we're uh, going now. Yeah, that's where we can see that in the future. Uh, we are going to have uh, Rochelle Wright is going to be there. She's going to be talking about the, uh, the the way in which psychotherapists can link a person who's sitting in their office, a client in the office, with their loved one, and uh, it heals the grief that they have. It reduces grief by eighty five percent in one session. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does it with uh, over ninety five percent success rates. Anybody who no, sits we just down had her. her. So anyone who wants to know more about Rochelle should uh, just uh, you know look up her podcast. We did a ter- we've done two terrific interviews with her on this program. Um, wonderful woman, wonderful, wonderful light. Um, just trying to do like you, trying to do um, what's going to be necessary to get the word out. Yeah, and she's very spiritual. Uh, and she is in touch, and uh, she now has trained over forty psychotherapists to do it. They're all having success. The last training that she did with the psychotherapist, they actually, during the training, will do a guided afterlife connection with each other. And when they did the guided afterlife connection with each other, every one of them connected. So they were able, even during their training, to make the connection. Yeah, it's just wonderful. And then my own self-guided. I hate to end this. Yes, one more thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Give your website so that people can see how they can go and learn on their own, and then we're going to have to end this, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, the best website to go to is afterlifecommunications.org. It's an org, not not a com, but it's afterlifecommunications.org. Dot org. Um, we, I'm sorry to end this. We're going to have you back soon. Um, uh, we've been talking to Dr. R. Craig Hogan. Um, uh, again, go to ASCSI.org to learn about the conference. Next week, join us. Dr. Gary Schwartz is going to be doing the Science on Synchronicities right in front of us while we watch, and it's a wonderful show. Meanwhile, visit AfterlifeForums.com and join the discussion there. And now, go out and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. 
www.thepowerofgod.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are. Thank you.